Hi. Welcome to Texting from the Bathroom. Today's okay-ish guest is Craig. Craig is a dad, works full-time, has his own marketing design company, and a podcast. Today, we will talk about his business, kids, COVID, and he spills a few secrets about smells in furniture stores that has left me questioning everything. I had fun talking to Craig. I think you will too. Thank you so much for meeting with me, for for being here with me. It's funny because we're actually strangers from the internet, which sounds far more risky and exciting than probably (laughs) (laughs) than it probably actually is. But all that to say, we don't really know anything about each other. So I was wondering if you could just kick this off by telling me some of your personal background, um, things like that. Yeah, I think uh, a year ago when I started my own podcast, it would have been a little stranger to have this conversation. But I've I've had a, about 50, 60 conversations with strangers over the past year. So it's it's becoming kind of the norm for me. So but yeah, to start off, my name is Craig Staley uh, from Omaha, Nebraska, originally from Iowa, moved to Omaha after uh, high school, went to college here and met my now wife about, gosh, it was 2011, um, got married a year after. And we have two kids Hudson, who is six, and Grace, who is four. So we're obviously busy. And I work full-time at a home furnishing store where I've been there for almost 20 years now. I've done everything. Started out in sales when I was in college and then moved on to kind of help build the e-commerce piece of the business. And then over the last couple of years, have transitioned to kind of starting my own business on the side and, and working on that. Nice. So you said your kids are four and six. So are they yes. are they in school or were they are they younger? Are they preschool? Yeah. So Hudson was in kindergarten last year, and uh, he was lucky enough to be able to go to school every day. So he was he was in school, not over Zoom, which was um, I think awesome for him. And Mm -hmm. obviously there was some restrictions still and, you know, trying to, trying to stay safe and stuff. But, uh, for the most part, he got a, a somewhat normal, uh, experience in school. Grace was last year was her first year in preschool. Mm. And so she went, let's see, two days a week. And it, it was interesting. So Hudson went to the same preschool that she went to. And I think when Hudson was in, there was maybe 13 kids. When she started out in the fall, she only had two other girls in her class. But then, and it, because of COVID and all that oh. stuff. But but then, as the year went on, like by December, you know, maybe there was five kids, and then by January, mm-hmm. there was it just kept growing as the year went on, which was interesting. So yeah, I wonder if that was the parents feeling more comfortable, or if they were just sort of tearing their hair out, going crazy, saying, "Take these kids." <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit of both, I would guess. But but it is interesting that they, you know, because it seemed like in 20, you know, at least in 2020, or in our area, at least in most areas, it seemed like, you know, the summer going into the fall, 
things had died down a little bit, but then Mm -hmm. like going into November and December, it peaked a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting that that was the time frame when people started saying, okay, take my kids, right? you know, rather than at the beginning of the school year. But I think people, people had lived with it for a while and maybe that was part of it too. So, so at, at the preschool, you know, there, it was, you know, since they're only, you know, at the time Grace was three, when she first started going to that Mm. preschool, you know, she turned four in December, they didn't require them to wear masks. She wore a mask every day. She was pretty used to it. The kids were, I I think the kids were more adaptable than the adults as far as masks go. Mm. Um, It wasn't a big deal for them. Like we would get in the car and the kids would have their masks on already if we were going somewhere where I'm not going to wear a mask in the car, obviously, but Mm -hmm. the, the kids is just like, it's like putting their socks on. It was it became normal. But so she would wear a mask most of the time to school. You know, occasionally she'd come out without it on. The teachers were wearing masks and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think with that age group, they were a little more forgiving about that that type of thing. With Hudson, the way they worked it was so his the school he went to, there's three classes in each grade, pretty much. So his kindergarten grade, you know, they they stuck to their class for most of the year and they stuck in their classroom except for uh, recess and that type of stuff. So they ate mm. lunch in their classroom. They did everything in their classroom. The librarian brought books to their classroom. They uh-huh. really never left other than to go to the restroom, go to PE and go to recess outside and stuff. So they would have mass breaks, but they, they wore their mask mm-hmm. for 90% of the day there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to limit the kids moving so much and just have the adults kind of bring things to them. Yeah. Logistically, that just sounds easier, even non-COVID times, than than moving kids around. (laughs) Yeah. Other other than maybe lunch, I think some of that stuff is is especially kindergartners running through hallways and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it worked out well. And we were just happy that he was able to have that experience and go to school. And, you know, because we were thinking during the summer, you know, if he has to do kindergarten over Zoom, how is that going to work? Mm. It, it would be kind of a struggle, obviously, for us to and for him to keep his attention over Zoom. So no, I agree. My daughter, she had her kindergarten interrupted last year. Mm. They didn't even try. They just sent home packets and would say, you know, can you do this and that and just, you know, email the teacher pictures that they did things. So it was very relaxed. I think they were just sort of like, put your head down, get through the year. Yeah. Promise we'll have a better plan for September. Yeah. I Now that I'm th- thinking back a little bit too, it's, you know, I'm thinking about this past school year, but, you know, so Grace was not in school and, you know, when everything kind of came to a halt around the middle of March, you know, Hudson's preschool at the time stopped. And I just remember then I was working from home at the time my my wife was in a pediatric office as a nurse. At the time too, I'm thinking, okay, well, I got to keep them, you know, learning about stuff. So we'll do. So I was printing off like preschool worksheets and have them, mm. you know, same thing that you were doing. And I'm on Zoom calls trying to manage, you know, snacks and, and worksheets and activities for the kids and stuff. It it really it took a little while before we like settled into a a real routine because everything seemed like it was up in the air at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know. Okay, will I go back to work in a month? Will I go back to work in a year? You know, is this a a short term temporary type thing? And it was definitely interesting thinking back to the to the 
initial time last last yeah, March. The very, very beginning. I mean, many people were sort of, I mean, it's haha now when you think back on it, but their bosses said, make sure you bring home two weeks worth of work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two weeks. That sounds fine. We could do that. But then after the two weeks passed, I feel like people were looking around going, well, now what, two more weeks, a month? You know, I don't think people could really, there was no way to project. Yeah. Yes, I feel like everything was very in the moment. I'm sure that the PBS Kids website got so much traffic (laughs) because parents were going, I don't know what to do with you, but please learn something. And the snacks. Oh, yeah. So many snacks. <laughs> yeah, that, that first few months, it was like just every 20 minutes, like, Dad, when's, when's the next snack? And then eventually, eventually, I created a schedule, you know, for like everything. I even got to the point where I was at the beginning of the day, I would, you know, obviously, I'd feed them their breakfast. And then I would portion out two snacks for each of them, one for like a morning snack between lunch and one in the afternoon. And then they had to just know like, okay, this is the only snacks of the day. Once these are gone, they're gone. And we, you know, Mm -hmm. we had Alexa timers going for snacks and all that stuff because they just wanted to hang out, eat snacks and watch TV pretty much. Isn't that funny? Alexa is also the trusted sort of third party in, in our household for some reason. Myself and my timekeeping or even my phone yeah. is somehow very suspect to my child. But Alexa, you know, Alexa is clearly telling the truth for some reason. So if I say, you know, Alexa, set a timer for whatever amount of time and then you have to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing and then we'll start moving on to the next thing. Alexa, she will believe. Me, she will not. Yes. What would you say was the biggest shift for your family, you know, going all the way back to the beginning. I mean, even right up until now, because it's still happening to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. What would you say was the biggest shift? Who I think, it, you know, going back to that initial time when when the pandemic hit and everybody was kind of, if they could could be, was sent home. Daycares were shutting down. You know, at that point, my wife, like I said, was working in the pediatric office, so she was still going to work. I was kind of at home managing the kids and and trying to work. And then at the same time, about a month into getting sent home, I was furloughed for about a month. Mm-hmm. I took that opportunity. I knew I, I was going to get brought back. And so it wasn't, you know, it was a little scary. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. great. But, you know, I think that was, I took kind of the opportunity to focus a little bit more on my business during that month. And, and I started my podcast then. But I think that whole first couple months was probably the the biggest shift for our family and just getting used to kind of the unknown at that point. And then, you know, it seemed like the whole year was kind of a little bit of a roller coaster, but but for sure early on, not knowing what's going to happen with with your job necessarily, mm. um, how long you're going to be at home, how long is this thing going to last? And then you start hearing you know, this might go into 2021 and here we are, Mm. you know, thankfully we have, you know, a vaccine that, that many people have, have gotten and it, and it seems to be helping along with probably people getting outside and, and, you know, summer approaching. So, but for sure, for me, I would think that first two months is where was the biggest shift for our family because it was a lot of unknown. What did you do? Because there was, you know, a lot of shifts, changes, Mm -hmm. a little chaotic, but what did you do to keep yourself grounded through all of that? 
Hmm. Gosh, other than drink. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was probably a a really interesting time to work for, you know, the recycling companies, I got to say, those first couple weeks. (laughs) Sort of heavy bins. (laughs) You know, like I'm not much of a a home drinker, but Mm. I even in my myself, I found myself like, okay, well, I was furloughed. Like, okay, let's have a have an afternoon drink. I wouldn't toss five back, but like I'd have a drink in the afternoon because I could. Mm-hmm. And it, so I did notice my habits change. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if that was a coping mechanism necessarily of just, you know, hey, I'm at home with the kids all day and they're screaming in my ear and I'm not used to this. So let's, let's have a quick drink. So that's, that's probably, that unfortunately might be one way. I mean, we did more stuff outside hmm. um, because we had more time to the, the one great advantage uh, say if the, an advantage of a pandemic, but the one great advantage of of being home was we did have more family time. I don't have any commute. Mm-hmm. I can get dinner on the table, or you know, when Lindsay gets home, the kids are already home. We can go out for a walk, mm-hmm. go to the park, do some different things like that. So, I mean, there was definitely some advantages, some some nice things, and some advantages for sure that we saw with. I hate to say advantages of the pandemic, but with with being home mm-hmm. more with your family, that's that's probably my favorite thing about this last year is I can go to work. I'm there. I'm here at, mm. you know, seven o'clock in the morning. I can get off at three, three thirty and do something with the kids that the one thing that as we've kind of gone through this year, I've noticed that they they try to lay the guilt trip. I don't know if yours does. But it's like, Dad, you're always working. Well, really, I'm home more than ever, and mm-hmm. I can actually spend more time than ever with you. It's just you're not used to seeing me work at home, where now they see me work all day from my desk in the office, and you know they just want me to go outside and play mm-hmm. with them. Yes. I had interviewed my daughter. Actually, she's on one of my episodes, and I asked her you know, if she could I guess have a wish or or change something. You know, what would it be? Mm. I said, "What would your wish be?" And she goes, "For mommy to have no more meetings." I was like, yeah. "Oh, ouch!" But also, this is the time that I'm supposed to be having meetings. You know, it's not like I'm yeah. having them at dinner time or yeah. you know during softball practice or things yeah. like that. But you know, to a kid, it feels like that's all we do: meetings, meetings, meetings. And then I asked her what she thought my job was, and she answered meetings. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny the the things that they pick up on. Yeah, and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with using the word advantages. There's always the silver lining to yeah. I think really any situation, and you know to be able to get something positive from an experience that was so just weird and mm-hmm. just felt so unsteady for a lot of people, but to have that family time so important and valuable and one of those weird things that might not, I mean, I hope won't ever happen again where it's because yeah. of this. It'd be great if everyone randomly was able to spend more time with their families for a non-pandemic reason. But you know, that that's what we got for those of us that were able to. It was a, a huge opportunity to spend that time. Well, I think the one maybe possible lasting thing from the the pandemic for maybe a lot of Americans is is more of that flexibility to be able to work from home whether that's through a a hybrid schedule or mm-hmm. full-time work from home i think that's you know when you send whatever percentage of the workforce home 
and they get kind of used to it. And it's, it's kind of nice that I don't have a half hour, two hour, or whatever your commute mm-hmm. is. And I do get to spend more time with my family. It, it becomes a benefit that, that a lot of workers don't want to give back. And, and I think employers are going to find if they do take it away needlessly, uh, you know, there's some people that obviously are going to have to come back in the office because, mm-hmm. you know, their work just dictates it. But if they do take it away, people are going to look for other options. I live in Omaha, Nebraska, but I'm sure I could find a job with a, a company in, in New Jersey and work from, mm-hmm. from Omaha. So I think there's more of those opportunities out there. for. So if, if anything comes out long term, I think it's that for, for people to be able to have that w- more flexibility to work from home. Mm. Yeah. And I think workers in particular feel really empowered mm-hmm. right now to ask for it or to look for it. If they have a company that's really has an office culture that they're very attached to and they really, really want to go back to. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, you might be able to sort of cast a wider net now because so many places have the the technology and the infrastructure and the understanding of how to do this remotely. And they might be able to snag themselves some really good people that they normally wouldn't have if they were making everybody come into the mm-hmm. office. So I think it's a win for a lot of companies and a lot of employees and Possibly a loss for ones that are going to be a little inflexible. Yeah, you know, we will see. I think over the next few months, we will see mm-hmm. for sure what direction that goes in. So you said while you were furloughed, you took some time to work on your own business. Yeah. Was this a business that had already sort of existed in some form and you were sort of beefing it up during that time or did you create it then? No, I it had already existed. So I think it was fall of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I mentioned earlier that I spent probably close to 10 years at my current employer kind of helping them build their e-commerce business. Mm. When I when I started out with the team, I was already in sales there, but when I started out with the team, there was three of us. And when I decided to kind of go to the operations side of the business, there was probably closer to 30 of us. So it had grown quite a bit from probably 6 million a year to over a hundred million dollars in business. So mm. it, it, it gone really well, but it was just time for me to make a change. And, and I went to the operations side of the business. But when I, when I did do that, that was probably fall of 2018. I found myself not even a year away from marketing and e-commerce and, and missing it. So that's when I decided, oh, maybe I'll start something on the side. And originally... It was just kind of a, a side hustle building websites for small businesses. Hmm. Did that for about a year and realized like there was there was something there to it. But obviously, um, being kind of the main breadwinner, I couldn't just drop everything with two kids and a wife and mm-hmm. and just really go after it. So it's it's going to have to be a transition over time. You know, at the beginning of this year, I added marketing services and and stuff to to the business and have a couple uh, freelancers that work for me, but. At the time when the pandemic hit and when I got furloughed, in the back of my head, probably six months prior or so, I had started thinking about starting a podcast Hmm. to help with growing my business. I looked at this month long or however long it was going to be furlough. We didn't know at the time as an opportunity, okay, well, I've got eight extra hours in my day. Mm. So now I'm going to, I'm going to try to get this podcast up and running. So it was, it was an interesting learning experience. You know, it seems like a hundred years ago now, and we're just, just over a year from, from when I did it. So yes, you have a 
ton of episodes because you said you've been doing this weekly for over a year now. Yeah. You know, I have today, I think, episode 51. Mm -hmm. But I actually, there was a period of time in January where I was kind of reevaluating and saying, okay, do I want to keep the podcast going? Am I really, I mean, my, my initial, the reason for starting the podcast was as a marketing tool for my business mm-hmm. to interview other business owners, attract business owners, build them websites, do marketing stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And as I was trying to evaluate at the end of the year, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, I said I was going to do this for a full year every week, but is it is it helping me gain any ground? Mm-hmm. And so I went through a period probably between January and February where I decided to pull back a little bit and I went every other week. So I'm a couple months behind a, a full year of episodes, but yeah, it's it's picking back up. So nice. So who would you say your podcast is made for? Who's your audience? Small business owners and entrepreneurs. Hmm. So what what I decided to do with the podcast was the first half of my interview is kind of getting to know the guest. It's it's more structured than free form. They're about half hour episodes. And the first the first half of the episode is is more about their business and their journey. The second half and and usually I, I do have two types of guests, either a small business owner or an expert. So experts might be mm. someone that's an expert in small business financing or something like that. It, it's interesting. I I don't do a whole lot of research on my guests. I f- I'm, I mean, if the topic or the business sounds interesting, uh, it's fun to have them on because I think what I found is almost any guest will provide some sort of value to the audience. With there being, you said, 51 episodes out, mm-hmm. if you had to pick one of your interviews that you feel sort of best represents your show, like that's the one a new listener should start with, which one do you think it would be? Mm, I think my favorite interview is with Phil Cohen. And I don't remember what episode it is. It's probably somewhere around 12, 13, something like that. And he he owns a woodworking business in Missouri. And it's it's a lot bigger than what I'm making it sound. But he they build like cabinetry for businesses like Walmart or airports mm. and you know so it's very commercial cabinetry but it, it also a, a real interesting backstory kind of grew up in an abusive household and you know his father was an alcoholic and he became an alcoholic and very poor and thought you know I've got a f- he, he said he, I think he said he had been fired from his seventh job in a row and and decided, you know, he's got to figure out something with his life. Mm. And one of his neighbors taught him woodworking and he was building like porch swings and little toy tr- wooden trucks and turned it into this multi-million dollar business wow. and stuff. So just a real, real interesting guy, real interesting perspective and probably one of my, f- one of my favorite stories and one of my f- favorite interviews so far. Wow. How that's just incredible. Yeah. And to have someone like that neighbor who could just sort of give you that nudge, you know, to say, why don't you just try this? Yeah. And 
And he did. <laughs> yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, so he starts building these and then the neighbor kind of teaches him cabinetry and, and then it evolved into this, this giant business. But the interesting thing that he, he does is he seeks out people like him to hire. So people that are coming out of prison mm. have alcohol addiction, PTSD from the military things like that. And, and that's, that's his primary workforce. And he specifically seeks them out, you know, to help make something of their lives, you know, cause he feels like he wants to give back because he, his life really turned around mm -hmm. with the help of, of other people too. So. Wow. That's amazing. You know, to be that person yeah. to reach a hand back, to be in a position to even do that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Are you, are your kids aware of your podcast or are they too little? They, well, they, they know about the podcast for sure. I don't know if they know exactly what a podcast is or does, but yeah, I don't think they understand fully what a, what a podcast is or why the heck I do it or why I tell them, Hey, you guys gotta be quiet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm recording an episode. They, they know it's something dad does and it involves a microphone and headphones, but that's about it probably. Yes. Which these things are very cool to kids. Yeah. Even if they don't know what the ultimate purpose is, they just know it's a thing that they would like to use and talk into. Yes. And they love hearing themselves and seeing themselves. I mean, that's why they're always, if you've ever let a kid get their hands on your cell phone. Yes. And then you get it back and your whole camera roll is oh, just yeah. them. They're selfies of their nose. It's their favorite thing. I once opened my phone and I'm not kidding. It had given me a notification that I had, I think, like 50-something identical pictures because she was just holding the button down uh -huh. and looking at it. So it was just, and it's never a good angle either. They've always got it. Yes, like, like right up their nose. Yeah, <laughs> just looking right up there, three chins, you know, <laughs> just hitting that button. <laughs> I don't know how long it'll last, but now talking about this, it br brought this back, thinking about the interviewing the kids, I decided at the beginning of the school year to interview each of them about their upcoming school year. And I save all these little recordings, you know, and think, okay, well, someday we'll listen back to them. So I kind of have the the thought that as, as long as they'll let me, I'm going to interview them for five minutes about their, their upcoming school year. So I've got those recordings too. And Aww. I'm sure at some point when they're 12 or... 10 or who who knows when they're going to say, dad, I'm not doing this, but at, at least while they're little, I'm going to, I'm going to make them, well, they like to do mm -hmm. it now. So yeah, now it, you're not twisting their arm it's at fun. this age. They're getting to use this thing yeah. that they think is very cool and they want to, and they want to be a part of the stuff that their parents are doing too. Yeah. Even if they don't really have the language to express that, just they're so willing to do it. So I guess they don't even really need the words to describe how or why they're interested. But yeah, then they get older. And I don't know what age the like sass rolls in. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my experience is three. Well, but <laughs> three is a very special age for all kids because they've yeah. got a lot of vocabulary all of a sudden and not a lot of, I guess, agency. They're, they're still being told what to do because they're basically babies in my mind, but they don't feel that way. They do not agree. Yeah. So they sort of morph into three nagers. They can talk back to you. <laughs> They've got yes. thoughts about things uh, and they could still throw a pretty mean tantrum at that age. So <laughs> Yeah. 
for sure. It gets a little bit easier after three. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that you wish I had asked either about your business, parenting, pandemic, podcasting, anything? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess about podcasting, what's, what I found is interesting recently is I've just started guesting on podcasts recently. Mm. I would say this is probably my third podcast guest experience. And it was funny because this is the first one where it's not focused on business, mm -hmm. which is kind of fun for sure. But I remember the first one getting all psyched up about it. And, you know, I feel like I'm pretty much an expert on on the topic that I was talking about on Google My Business pages and websites and that type of stuff. But like pouring over the questions and stuff. And it reminded me of like when I started my podcast and just being nervous about the first episode, making sure all the questions mm. are right and making sure I had everything, you know, it's, it's funny, like after that first guest experience, I realized like, okay, well, this is not as, as hard as I'm making this out to be, you know, like I know the answers to these questions. I don't need, like I typed all but my answers out and read them over. And the funny thing is, is like, I'm all psyched up for this interview. And then the last minute they canceled because the the host was sick. And I was like, oh, okay, they didn't cancel, cancel. They just postponed mm -hmm. it. But, you know, here I am like all nervous and worried about it and stuff. And it was really no big deal. But it's just interesting how, you know, with new experiences, sometimes, you know, at least for me, it's, I almost feel like in some ways it's imposter syndrome like oh you know what if what if the audience knows more than I know and they're <laughs> going to see right through me and you know this host is going to call me out and be like well actually that percentage is this that you're quoting you know they don't they don't know no. you know so it's it's interesting like how how you know sometimes your mind plays tricks on you and 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 makes you think like okay well you, you don't really know as as much as you might know about a certain subject or a lot of times it's just get out there and, and do it. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's funny. The sort of the internal, that running monologue that you have is not always right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always correct. And I think sometimes we can get in our own way. It can hold you back, you know. Yeah, from even trying. Yeah, from, you know, even taking the leap and starting a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's scary, especially if you're interviewing strangers yeah. or or people that you look up to in your field or it could be really intimidating. But I think, you know, you just, you just got to do it. You just got to jump in and get your feet under you. And well, with podcasting, it's a conversation, you know, and, and I think most people really go into this with good intent. I I highly doubt anyone would ever come in and be like, uh-uh. I got you. Actually, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but really, probably unless they brought you onto a podcast that was about arguing with people, yeah. which I imagine might there's probably a few of those exist. That's got to be a, if not, somebody should do that. There's an idea <laughs> because there's there's a market for that. I think I've watched enough daytime television to realize people love a good good argument yeah. and drama, like a Jerry Springer type podcast. I wonder if that exists. Oh my gosh. Does he probably has one? If if Jerry Springer or Maury and all of them don't have a podcast, that yeah. is a huge, huge miss because yeah. they've had some could, pretty interesting people. Could all do all those paternity tests on on the podcast? That's That'd pretty be interesting. much all Maury is now. <laughs> I think it so. used to be something else, and now it's just lie detector. And 
and paternity <laughs> tests. But yeah, I think people would listen. They love attention. It's funny you you just jogged my memory, and it's it's funny that I didn't even think about this. And you know, I don't know what it says. But when when you had asked me, was there any other things that you didn't ask? And you said you got COVID in October. We got COVID in October too. <sighs> Around actually it was I think it was right after Halloween. So it was probably first of November actually. Mm-hmm. But it, same same kind of deal. So our son had come home from school. I think Monday of that week. And he kind of had a little runny nose and the sniffles mm-hmm. and stuff. And he was like, you know, sometimes when kids are coming down with something, mm-hmm. they'll be like, I'm tired. I want to go to bed, you know, and it's like before their bedtime. Right. So you're like, okay, something's going on here. And mm-hmm. the the way that our protocol for the school worked was if you send them to school and they've, you know, they think they're sick, they'll send them home and they stay home for at least three mm-hmm. days. But if you keep them home and then they're feeling better, you can send them to school, you know, even after they've had a runny nose or something. So we decided to keep them home that day. I think it was for Tuesday. And the next day he got up and bounced out of bed and was doing fine. We're like, Mm -hmm. okay, you can go back to school. You know, it just must have been a little cold and whatever. So we sent him to school on Wednesday. And, you know, he and I, we go to the same barber, same time, keep the same schedule. So we had a, an appointment to go to our barber. We had spent probably most of the summer into probably early fall, just like home haircuts. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we bought some clippers at Walmart or something <laughs> and, and just like making do basically and trying to do our own thing at home. It didn't turn out too bad, but it was like, okay, it's time to go back to the the barber at this point. But so we had a, a barber appointment and that that Saturday morning, I think. And it's Friday evening and I'm like starting to not feel good. And I'm like, uh, you know, it doesn't feel that bad. It just kind of feels like a cold. But I said, just to be safe, I better go get tested mm-hmm. just to rule it out, especially if we're going to the barber tomorrow. I don't want to spread it to anybody. So I find this overnight, late night testing you know, one hour result type of thing. Mm. Went there, get my nose swabbed and come home to, you know, put the kids to bed. And I get a email and I was like, oh, here's my results. So I open it up and I look at my wife. I'm like, positive. She's like, shut up. (laughs) And I'm like, yep. (laughs) So it ended up being another day. And then my wife started having symptoms. Mm -hmm. The kids, other than Hudson, um, having those initial symptoms, you know, a couple days prior to us, we don't know if he's the one that gave it to us. And he had just like barely had any symptoms, you know, for one day, we never had him tested that time. And Grace never showed any Mm -hmm. symptoms at all. Lindsay and I both got it. It was not bad for me at all. I would say I've had worse mm. viruses personally, but my wife struggled with her, her immune system's not great. So mm-hmm. she struggled with it. She she ended up having to to go to the ER and had some trouble breathing and stuff. But but yeah, it's funny that you say, is there anything that we didn't talk about? And I didn't even think about the time that we that we got COVID. So um, you know, thankfully for us it it went pretty well. So Yeah, that's funny. I got my positive test on Halloween. Oh, did you? 
on Halloween. Man, we're like COVID twins. Yeah, we are. We're, we're COVID twinsies from across the country. My husband definitely had it first. Mm. Like I said, my daughter never tested positive, so it was definitely him. He was mm. working outside of the home at the time, and then eventually they transitioned him to working from home. But he was leaving the house. Since he was leaving the house, he was the one going to the grocery store. Yeah. Probably one of, I mean, those were the only two places he was going because, like you said, home job haircuts, yeah. the whole the whole deal. We were doing everything else here. So, but it was it's so easy to catch. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it could it could have it really feels like it could have came from anywhere. But yeah, Halloween, and of course we had a family costume. Oh really? We we had the Incredibles. Oh okay. So I was, uh, I kept calling myself Mrs. Incredible. My daughter corrected yeah, what me is that the real she's name? Elast- Elastigirl. Oh, yeah. And even though at the time my daughter was six, she was really upset that I was tying this female superhero's identity up with her husband. <laughs> she says, no, she's Elastigirl. <laughs> okay, I'm very sorry. So I was all sweaty and I still put that weird rubbery feeling superhero costume on to take some pictures. Yeah. But yeah, I look very... Looking back on them, I'm I look very pale. <laughs> but for for your kid, you'll do you'll whatever, do all yeah. kinds of things, even when you're a little feverish and the world feels like it's falling apart. But yeah, I'd say for us, it took about six weeks to mm. really get back on our feet. And my husband's sense of smell is still kind of weird. Yeah, so is mine. The funny thing is, Lindsay immediately knew she lost her sense of taste and smell. Hmm. But for me, like, I I felt pretty good while I had, like, the cold symptoms and stuff. And then it was funny, maybe a couple weeks after I felt pretty good, I I knew that something went went wrong with my sense of smell because I was opening a new thing of coffee. And normally when you tear open that, it's like a rush of coffee smell to your face. And I couldn't smell anything. Stop it. That's when Yeah. That's when I knew I lost my sense of smell. Yeah. I opened a bag of coffee and went nothing. And it was nothing. I sh- I stuck my whole face and there was nothing. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> We're having real parallel experiences here but, with COVID. But what got weirder <laughs> is so that that went away, my taste came back, my smell came back. But then like I don't know, it was probably so that was October. It's what June now. It was probably mm-hmm. first part of May, maybe in sometime in April. I can't remember for sure. I started noticing that anything with a mint flavor like toothpaste or gum, anything that smelled mm. like mint, like my shampoo, mm-hmm. all had like a sour flavor or taste. Interesting. Yeah. And that has not completely gone away yet for me. I can smell everything fine. It's just that when there's some sort of mint involved, it, it's it got kind of a tinny, soury, weird smell to it or taste. Weird. My So my husband has been smelling smoke. Mm. And the first time he said it, he freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. He's like, do you smell smoke? And we live in an old house. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, it finally happened. There's something <laughs> with the electrical in the walls or... I don't know. And he goes, no, I smell cigarette smoke. And I looked it up and it's it's kind of a common one really? with, with people post-COVID. They cigarette smoke, garbage, feces. Hmm. 
cigarette smoke would be my choice yeah. if someone told me I had to smell one of the three. But it and it's not triggered by like with you, you know, it's mint. With him, it's just sort of it just happens. Just random. Sometimes, yeah, he'll be laying in bed reading oh. a book, and then so there's not like food smells get... around or anything that would. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah. So you, know, I wonder if it's actually his sense of smell and taste or if it isn't more almost neurological in mm. a way um, because they, they there's so much that they don't know. Yeah. We'll learn over Ten the years. years from now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They'll say, Oh, when that thing happened, you know, here's all the studies and, you know, white papers and medical journals and yeah. <laughs> whatever else. But right now it's just kind of a bunch of people who have been through this collective experience uh, sharing what happened to them and going, oh, yeah, that weird thing also happened to me, like on message boards or on Facebook mm-hmm. or right now when I discovered that you and I <laughs> had COVID basically the same time. Had, had the same, had a very similar experience with opening Yeah, the coffee. coffee. So <laughs> and mine also came a few weeks after I'd had it. So he had lost his sense of smell and taste before me. Yeah. And not that I was smug about it, but I thought, wow, that's terrible. Yeah. So glad that didn't happen to me. And then (laughs) then you did. That was, uh, I mean, I'm so glad to have it back. And then the first smell that returned for me was not even what you would consider a particularly strong smell. I could suddenly smell apples. Hmm. There was apples for sale at this, I think it was a Christmas tree farm. We had stopped to get Mm -hmm. a tree. Uh, but you had to go inside to pay. Mm-hmm. And when I walked inside, that's when I went, I smell something. Yeah. I could smell apples. And it was such a an odd smell. And it was very faint. But that was the first one that came back. Huh. Was it like yeah. cooked apples or was literally just you know, raw they, apples? Just out. They had just bins and bins of apples, wow. just fresh apples for sale. And of course, because it's it's a farm store, I'm assuming there was some sneaky potpourri. Oh, yeah, probably. Or, you know what I mean? Like they, there's probably things that I couldn't see, but that that was what registered yeah, for those, me was that those wax melty burner things that yeah had some yeah, apple cinnamon something. smell. Maybe there's like there's like a retail psychology yeah. behind why stores do these types of things. But I I smelled apples and I was. I was thrilled. <laughs> I was so happy. That's funny you you say the, the the retail psychology. So the the store that I work for sells furniture and and in the baby section we pump in baby powder smells. Oh, it's a little, little wow. secret for you. <laughs> wow, it's, I feel like I just learned something yeah. so important. I had no idea. Get, get those new mothers thinking about uh, thinking yeah, about the baby. I mean. Everybody talks about, they say, you know, that new baby smell, but it's not, I think, actually the smell of an infant. It's yeah. the smell of, if you use the dress and the and lotion, the, creams and, the baby shampoo, yeah. it's this combination of things that just, you know, make you go, hmm, <laughs> it's a baby. So, wow. And, and now thinking about it, we also have a, I don't know if it's on the East Coast, so I don't know if you know Seas Candy. Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah. But Seize candy. So we have like a little seize candy store within our store and we pump chocolate smell there too. So oh, that's so devious, <laughs> but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It really does. So I I am now doubting that what I was smelling was the bin of apples. It may have been something like apple adjacent. Like 
like meant yeah. to smell more strongly Some of apple cider sm- smell or yeah, something something yeah. some, like a plug-in or like a potpourri burner or like a mm-hmm. wax i don't know something you know now i have this lovely memory of, of apples so thank you farm store that's awesome <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny thank you craig i always remember that we are we are covid twins across the country we're, we're covid buddies yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh, well Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight and for bearing with my misunderstanding of time zones. And <laughs> Oh, not a problem. Like I did have a, a moment thought about it as I'm helping bathe the kids and stuff. I'm like, gosh, I don't know for sure what time zone she is. I wonder if she meant nine o'clock central, but yeah, no big deal. I'm, gl- I'm glad we worked it out. So oh, me too. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you to my guest and COVID twin, Craig. You can learn more about his business and podcast on his website, craigstaley.com. I'll drop a link to it in my show notes. Texting from the bathroom is me, Evelyn Moon. Music is by Esteban Del Pino. You can catch future episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you catch your favorite shows. 